Be patient, then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. James 5, 7-8 Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Ephesians 4, 2, and 13 He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Matthew 13, 33. Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rock in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. Hey, it's Jonathan, and welcome to Epiphany, an audio devotional for all of us on the way to wisdom. Patient capital is a movement of investment that seeks to combine the best efforts of traditional philanthropy and traditional venture capital. This movement began to pick up steam kind of as a resistance to some of the more radical expectations and methods that has come to dominate the imagination of startup culture and investment. This is especially after the increase of the Shark Tank effect and some overnight success stories from Silicon Valley. Simultaneous with the rise of social enterprises who are reinventing business models that take the best of nonprofit organizations and businesses to increase both sustainability and impact, patient capital is marked by the commitment to investing into ventures knowing full well that the return on the investment will be potentially lower and take longer because those businesses have commitments to be environmentally and socially conscious in the way that they grow. In essence, as a patient capital investor, you are choosing to take the long road knowing full well that you are participating not just in a viable business opportunity, but in creating a new way of doing business altogether, one that does more good and less harm for the people and the planet involved. Here's how it's described from those who are participating in this movement. Patient capital is a willingness to forego maximum financial returns for social impact and an unwillingness to sacrifice the interests of the end customer for the sake of shareholders. It's a greater tolerance for risk than traditional investment capital. Longer term horizons for return of capital. It's an intensive support of management as they grow the enterprises invested in. Right now, you are listening to this podcast because your device requested an audio file from a server. And this file has been cut up into a series of ones and zeros labeled with certain headers 
and transmitted between routers, data storage centers across the world and through cables underneath the ocean. And while it seems instantaneous to you, what you are experiencing is this audio file that has gone through a digital postal service spanning thousands of miles, different nations and countries in just a matter of seconds. The speed of the internet is not just about how quickly we can pull up a video or send an email. It is also the way we've come to expect the world to run. A few years ago, a commercial ship dragged an anchor across one of these cables and actually cut off the Kingdom of Tonga from internet access for 13 days. The idea of being without internet for almost two weeks can make your skin crawl. Because from the way that we do business, to the way that we learn, to the way that we relax, even to the way that we experience our spirituality, has all become accustomed to the speed of the internet. Our expectations are that we would experience life and everything that comes with it megabytes per second, instantaneously. The speed of the internet, with hundreds of megabytes per second instantaneously accessed because we touch a button, is a great way to get a lot done. But it's not a great way to think about who you're becoming and the process of our formation. The author Paul tells a group of Jesus followers in Galatia that when you keep in step with the Spirit over a long, long period of time, you'll start to see fruit. And one of these fruits is patience. Patience invites us into a different speed, away from the speed of the internet and into the speed of love. Love actually has a speed one that you can track, and one that you can measure. The spiritual teacher and Japanese theologian Kosoke Koyama says, Love has its speed. It is a spiritual speed, and it is a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we've become accustomed. It goes on in the depth of our life, whether we notice or not, at three miles an hour. It is the speed we walk, and therefore, the speed the love of God walks. This speed of love is what we see Jesus operating at while he does his life work and ministry. You never see Jesus hurried. You never see Jesus anxious. As a matter of fact, all of his healing and teaching usually comes in the form of being interrupted. Jesus is on his way to heal a 12-year-old girl who's sick when he's interrupted by another daughter in need of healing, when somehow both are accomplished at the speed of love. This is because Jesus walks in this pace and spaciousness that we are invited into. Patience is the work of God to slow us down to the speed in which God walks, the speed of love, three miles an hour. It's an invitation to resist the most shaping forces of our own lives that would try to speed us up internally and externally. Patience is a spaciousness within us that allows for disruption and interruption without us losing our sense of safety and standing and well-being. This is why C.S. Lewis says that who you are when you're interrupted is really who you are. Patience is a pace within ourselves that keeps us in step with the Spirit and resists the temptations of internet, business, and our own insecurities to speed us up outpacing God in our expectations of ourselves and others. 
Patience is a commitment to our own maturity. Resisting the temptation of seeing our maturity as internet access or startup mythology. Our virality as a measure of our maturity. Quick fixes and life hacks, shortcuts to who we are becoming. You'll know that you start to see patience in your life when everything about the way you act and react communicates that the person on the other end of you is more valuable than whatever task, deadline, or expectation that may be missed. When you firmly believe that everything works together for good, no matter how long it takes or how different its form may be than you expected. When you trust that even though you can't see it, it's coming and it's worth the wait. Patience is waiting well. Becoming a person of patience begins with the recognition that our timelines and due dates that we submit people to and God to are made up in our minds with only the limited perspectives that we have. Patience never loses sight of what matters most, even in the moments that seem maddening to most. While the patient capital movement is one to celebrate, Scripture invites us to see patience itself as capital, patience as a resource. Patience is what love looks like when it's invested fully into others. Patience is when we take the approach of looking at our relationships not just as viable opportunities for us to get a return of our own fulfillment or satisfaction, but in creating a new way of being with one another. Imagine if everyone in your life described you as the most patient person they knew. Imagine if the world saw the people of God as nothing else than the most patient people. How impactful and shaping would that be? Patience invites us to lay down the demands that we may have a right to place on others, to speed up the results and the returns, and to hurry up the process of giving us what's ours. But instead, as patient investors, we bear the burdens with one another, taking not on just the risk, but the work of seeing full maturity come into fruition for everyone and all of us. This is really hard to do with others, but it's especially hard to do with ourselves. Patience is love invested in waiting and bearing burdens with one another, but Oftentimes, where it's missed the most is in our expectations towards ourselves. This dominant force in your life, which is that voice that is saying you should be somewhere else than where you are. Usually comparing yourself to this idealized version of who you were in the past or some fabricated version of who you expected yourself to be right now. This is where Jesus invites us into the story of a woman working yeast into dough. Now, this story that demonstrates what the kingdom life is actually like, it would have been surprising in three ways. The first is that Jesus uses yeast as the example of the kingdom life. This would be surprising because yeast was often used in that day to describe the negative aspects of life, to be condemned by religion. Jesus uses this to describe the Pharisees even in another story. And here Jesus is saying that 
the things that maybe you think are your flaws and failures are actually where the growth edge of the kingdom life is at work, working its way slowly. The other surprise is that the hero of this story is a woman. And not just a woman, but a woman doing daily work at the house in the mundane moments. And Jesus is saying that it's in these unexpected mundane moments in everyday life where the kingdom is taking root and where it requires a patience for us towards ourselves in those time between times to trust and hope and to continue the work folding in kingdom life and truth into who we are when no one's around and no one's paying attention. That's the patience that will see ourselves come into full maturity. And the third surprise would actually be the amount of bread that's actually produced. 60 pounds would be way more than one family would need to have bread for the home. It's talking about an abundance of bread, more than what's expected. This measurement of flour is used a couple times in the Old Testament. One with Sarah, when Abraham tells Sarah to create 60 pounds of, of flour for their three divine guests who come bearing the news that she will finally have a son. The other time is with Hannah, when she finally has her prayers heard and God blesses her with a son. She takes the son to the temple and gifts the priest with 60 pounds of flour. In both of these stories, it describes a patience, a longing, a waiting for the promise of God to come into fruition. So Jesus recalls this in this story saying that the kingdom life takes place in the mundane and the unexpected, what others usually throw out. And it's in the waiting, in the patience, when you do the work of folding in the truth and the life and the love into all parts of you where you see an abundance of bread, an abundance of provision, and where the waiting is worth it. For us to invest love into others as patient capitalists, for us to see our own maturity as a process of folding in the kingdom life slowly into all parts of us, patiently, like yeast and dough, we must first experience the stillness and the waiting on the Lord and a patience towards the Spirit. And this is maybe the most frustrating part. Every time I think about this story of Elijah at the cave where the earthquake and the fire and the wind, those all would have been familiar ways of meeting with God that we see in the Old Testament. But all of a sudden, they just weren't working anymore. And I also think about the wind and the fire and the earthquake within himself. As in this moment, he was on his way running for his life, needing a miracle desperately in a state of urgency, about to give up, wanting to die. And it's hard to think about Jesus walking slowly when we feel like we are on the edge of death, desperate for urgency. And part of me thinks that the reason Elijah needed to wait out the wind and wait on the earthquake to subside and wait on the Lord through the tumultuous disruption was to still himself enough to hear the voice of the Lord that was perhaps always there, was to let the noise inside of himself 
subside enough for him to follow the whisper into meeting the divine once again. Waiting on the Lord is a refrain we hear often from the psalmist as they are running for their lives, as they are crying out in desperation with all of their urgency. They end with a, a statement of reorientation. Still, I wait on the Lord. I wait on the Lord for my salvation. For us to become an unhurried and non-anxious presence means to wait on the Lord with expectation, lifting our gaze beyond what we feel so strongly in the moment towards what we know to be true most of all and meeting the Spirit there in the still small voice where we're invited to keep in step with the Spirit and see this fruit of patience come to bear fully in our lives. So today, may you take up the invitation of Jesus to slow down from megabytes of data flying around the world and flying around your mind to the steady pace of love, keeping in step with the Spirit at three miles an hour. May you choose to invest love and patience into those relationships right around you, bearing burdens, honoring, and showing up with an unhurried and non-anxious presence that the world is desperate for. And may you wade through the earthquakes, fires, and wind within your own heart and not fall into the trap of speeding up your expectations of yourself or others or of God. And may you find that still small voice inviting you into another way, a more spacious, a more gracious place in which to live. Godspeed. Thanks for listening. I'm Jonathan, and this has been Epiphany.